Some films are mediocre Some films aren't good or bad Some films won't win an Oscar Globe, BAFTA, or a SAG You like those flicks? Come get your fix In a podcast called Mixed Bag Kia ora! Welcome to Mixed Bag, where we review the mixed, muddled and mere films throughout film history. I'm James. I'm Cassandra. And I'm floor free since 93, honey. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot I was doing the intro, uh, so hence the slightly Yeah, we just finished belated. the conversation when we said James does the intro because this is his pick, but... <laughs> yes. Yeah. How are um, we feeling? How are we feeling? Feeling good? We, uh, we went outside into the garden yeah. today. Uh, you know, just those quarantine travel um, Yeah, journeys. it's a beautiful day today. It's uh, very nice outside. outside. Yeah. yeah. We're recording on Anzac Day, mm-hmm. which yeah. is the celebration of my fourth favorite biscuit. Biscuits. What's your They're number one good. biscuit, Matt? Macadamia. Macadamia? Oh, yeah. That's Damn. obscure. That's mm. good. Yeah. I'm yeah. probably like a chocolate chip cookie, I know, I, like no, super I, basic. I love chocolate chip. I mean, you can't Everybody you can't likes chocolate, chocolate chip, chip cookies, you know. Yeah. I mean, as long as you don't They're say like good. Fig Newton or something, like that's yeah, disgusting. No. I'll that's eat those. Fierce <laughs> name though, like Miss Short Fig bread, Newton. Please welcome bread to the for stage. Would probably be second, I think. I do like shortbread. Yeah, I also I like Afghans. Fuck with them. I don't like yeah. Afghan bis- biscuits as much. Like, I'll have them if they're there. Mm. Um, but uh, I'm with you on that, James. They're yeah. just not my favourite, which I feel... Sorry to my nana, who makes great ones of those, but I guess I can't eat them anyway because of the flour. I think but- a controversial <laughs> one that I like is oat and raisin. I quite like them. Mm, very controversial. <laughs> quite. I'm I'm big- that's super, I think that's quite nice, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll back you on that. Mm. Um, snickerdoodles, very good if you've had snickerdoodles. Yeah. It's got, you roll them in sugar and cinnamon and bake it with that, and they have this sort of lacy, crispy, like sh- cinnamony outside. It's very yum. Cass, stage a production called Gutenberg the Musical, and there's a show called, a uh, song in it called Biscuits, and Cass for front of house actually made biscuits. Uh, for the audience, yeah, nearly, was, not we, every we night. We didn't have but... a bar because it was in a community centre, so we just sold soft drinks and biscuits. Yeah, and um, there were some wicked snickerdoodles yeah. there. They, they they sold pretty well. People hmm. enjoyed the biscuits. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cass also has a concept of um, mashed potatoes uh, being served. This is a totally, this is a, okay, this is my business plan, which yeah. I'm sure you've all heard Let's me get say into before, it. but for those of you that have never heard, picture this. You're going through town, you know, the pandemic's over, It's the, the city streets are bustling, and you walk past a little hole-in-the-wall, like um, the tiniest little kind of stall kiosk size business. And what's for sale there? It looks, for the, at first glance, like it's an ice cream store, but it's not. It's actually a mashed potato store that sells a whole lot of different mashed potatoes. You could get cheesy mash, you could get, like, mash with, um, like, kumara in there. But is it just potato, or is it, like, other kinds of mash stuff? Like, I feel like there could be a range of other root vegetables. Like peas yeah, um, and carrots. Kumara, carrot. There could be some yeah. sort of like mixes in there. There's a range. The basic I is, think, of course, yeah, basic we've, mash. We've definitely talked you about serve this, it yeah. from the bain marie's, keep it hot. You put it in those Love little that. cups like you have for ice cream. A little bacon name, on top of some. Its I name is Mash Palace. Nice. I love that. I think we've we've had this conversation before and my yeah. so, my restaurant or my hole in the wall is just like a hole in the wall with different kind of potato dishes in it called potato. Because it's no, also good. Because no one says that. 
It's, it's also good, but the thing about mashed palace is that, like, <laughs> you can't get mashed potatoes very many places. No. Like, you can get other potato dishes. You can get potato chips. You can get, like, those baked potatoes on the skins and things like that. You can get potato skins. But people don't sell mashed potatoes very often. I love mashed um, potatoes. And the thing about it is that I just really would like someone else to make this business because I do not want to run a mashed potato business, but I would very much like to frequent it as your number one customer. So this is a free idea. You can steal it. This is a great idea. Everybody that's, like, wanting to start a new business... Get on it, open Mash Palace in the Wellington area, and I will come and frequent it. I think seeing as Matt pitched his, I'll try and hazard one uh, as well. I'll do, mine's called Po, like P-O, and it's like a Lynchian kind of nightmare. Like you go in. Why would you want to eat there? Why would I want to eat there? <laughs> no, no, because like, and the bean bags like are sh- are like look like potatoes, and it's just a very like strange. <laughs> I like that you say the bean bags look like potatoes. Is a of course there are bean, bean bags. bags yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's a strange and why immersive you, why atmosphere. Why do Twin Peaks is the Red Room? What's that? Why don't you serve beans if you have bean bags? Bean bags. Oh yeah. Bean I don't bag like beans is a, as much. You could do a you could do a restaurant called Bean Bags. Or like was, peas in a pod. It's coffee. Come and on, like I'm just flying off with ideas. <laughs> All bean foods. Those those will come later. <laughs> you know, it's like the McDonald. Those are McDonald's cafe. What like do you serve at your restaurant? Potato. You'll have potato. <laughs> different types of potato. Yeah, so it's just Matt's restaurant. Yeah, <laughs> but with an Edgar Allan Poe theme. It's just the goth version. Yeah, of Matt's exactly. Restaurant. I'm just it's it's a Tim Burton remake. <laughs> sure. All right. Okay. And speaking of Tim Burton, he's a pop culture icon. <laughs> that, that is so true, Matt. That is wow. so true. What a segue. That takes us perfectly to Pop Corner. Pop, 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 pop corner. So what have you been watching, listening, reading, etc., Matt? A cultural reset has been has been um, <laughs> descended upon the earth because one Fiona fetch me the bolt cutters. <laughs> All right. Miss Fiona Apple has released her first album in like eight years and it is like the most luscious, exquisite album that I've heard in like so long. And I always love like my my confessional singer-songwriter types. Um and um I love her. I mean, we've all heard her recent interview where she spilled the tea on Paul Thomas Anderson and Quentin Tarantino being annoying film bros. So Oh, Even more. I don't know if that's tea necessarily, but it's good to have someone say it out loud. Mm. <laughs> no, I, I love Fiona Apple, and um, this is like easily the album of the year. Sorry, Dua Lipa. Love you still, though. <laughs> that, Go back in time to previous Swedish Matt queen. pop culture. The Swedish queen Dua Lipa. Swedish queen Dua Lipa has been dethroned. Um, yeah, I've heard, the, like, I've heard the first half of this album. I really enjoyed it. Um, but I got the sense that James was not enjoying it. So I not <laughs> what? No, it. I was into it. I was having a jam while I was cooking dinner, and then. Uh, but I have not. I've not gotten around to finishing the rest of it. No, let's um, resume it. Let's, let's <laughs> well, pick um, it back the up. The first time I listened to this fully, I was like jogging, and I had to like stop because I was so overwhelmed. Yes, I know. Very <laughs> mad. Really melodramatic, but you know, whatever. It's My a life is a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in terms of movies that I've seen, I watched this really, like, cool, like, Melissa Leo non-vehicle called Novitiate. It's got Margaret Qualley in it, um, who we saw in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Fossey Verdon. Recently, she played Anne Ranking in, in Fossey Verdon. Um, and she's also the son, the son. <laughs> she's the daughter of, of Andy McDowell. Um, and it's oh. it's good. It's like it's like that time during Vatican II, 
Um, she's a repressed lesbian. Um, and like she enters the nunnery. Like at first she thinks it's like, you know, like it's her. She's in love with God. Um, and, and Melissa Leo is this, this kind of old school nun from before like Vatican II where she's like real strict. Um, and sh- it's, it's, it's like, um, JK Simmons in Whiplash, the nun version. Oh, I really enjoy this pitch. lesbian nun film. Sounds excellent. Um, for this, the, us two non-Catholics, could you clarify what Vatican Two is? Okay, so is that a thing? so pre pre Vatican Two, like everything, there was like it's it's Vatican a, One. It was a whole, original Vatican, a whole lot OG more traditional. Vatican. So like the priest used to say mass like with his back to the congregation. Every everything was said in Latin, and like um, the convents where the nuns the nuns were exalted as as holier beings than. Than, um, than regular folk. Um, mm. And Vatican II basically said nuns aren't as special in the eyes of God as, you know, like it's, they're just common folk. So um, Vatican II saw like a mass exodus of nuns from, right. from the Catholic Church. But Which was, about what time was this? In the 60s. Okay. Yeah. My mind went to a blockbuster when you said Vatican II. Yeah, <laughs> like like Vatican II. Oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> the sequel, bitch. The sequel Back in the Vatican. habit. That's yeah. in two weeks. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> um, and also, I I um, conquered one of my white whales. I finally saw Chimes of Midnight by one Miss Orson Welles. Nice. Miss Welles, honey. Um, sh- uh, yeah, it's great. I love it. It's just like him as Falstaff is just like perfect. Like one of the most like um, perfect casting choices i mean he cast himself but you know but if you know your type well, then, yeah. you know. also he's yeah. the only person who i know who's like my dream role is full stuff like mm. you know that's this was his like his white whale he wanted to get this done for so long and it's just like um you know but you know just don't credit us for like for stealing our year 13 sheila win um submission <laughs> Orson, but okay, you made a good movie, so, you know. Yeah, how he shoots himself in the, against the <laughs> landscape, and yeah, of the, like, his Shakespeare's, I think that's probably the strongest. You like, know what? don't see his Othello, <laughs> some blackface, Jigger, <laughs> chimes at midnight. You know what bugged me out, though? They post-dubbed, like, the dialogue, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, the, the, like, the words are, like, kind of out of sync with their, like, mouths. It's they, all idea, yeah. Because uh. it's like, you know, it's like they were shooting Funding. on a shoestring budget, you know. Mm. Um, and then there's this great, this, this great battle scene in the middle, um, which is pretty iconic. And in terms of TV, I've actually been doing a lot of TV watching. I'll just do a quick run. Insecure is back, one of the best shows on TV. Um, can't wait to see Issa Rae and Kumail Nanjiani's movie. Um, the Lovebirds dropping on Netflix next month. Um, run. Produced by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, but not, like, written by her. Oh. Yeah, it's not. I didn't know that. And you notice. <laughs> mm. It's okay. I mean, it's it's short. It's a short season. It's, like, 30-minute episode. So I'm here for the season. Not quite. I'm still quite interested to watch it. Yeah, like, yeah I love like Merritt Weaver. So yeah. she's great. Um, not quite feeling it yet, but we'll see how we go. Um, Mrs. America is fantastic. Just watch it for the actresses. Like, also, Rose Byrne is like unbelievably hot as Gloria Steinem. I don't know why, but like her in those glasses, just oh, amazing. Um, but Tracy Ullman is great. Uzo Aduba is great. Um, Kate Blanchett 
is really good. Um, Tracy Ullman is in that? Yeah, she plays Betty Friedan, who is oh, the um, author of The Feminine Mystique, and character actress Margot Martindale. She's a ham, nice. and I love it. Love to see it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And my final one is um, The Last Dance, which is um, a docuseries on Netflix. It's like, they've only released two episodes so far. It's based on the 90s Bulls, Chicago Bulls, sorry. Um, and it's just like, given me so much kind of nostalgia. My house was a, was a Bulls household when I was a kid. Also, for, for listeners who don't know, I love basketball. And not just the movie Love and Basketball, but the actual sport. <laughs> um, and it's it's kind of, like, in- interesting to see all that, the the backstage drama. Like, the, the Bulls were, like, the most, like, the best team in the world of any team because of just, like, the superstar that was Michael Jordan. You had Dennis Rodman and Scottie Pippen in there as well. But, like, behind the scenes, there was a lot of drama and things were falling apart. So it was a good kind of nostalgia trip, but also kind of a great portrait of like myth making and also like, you know, the human side of, of what was happening back then. So, you know, and that's me. How does that compare to Space Jam in terms of accuracy? <laughs> oh, I mean, look, they haven't introduced the monsters yet, so right. we'll see. So you don't know. I mean, you know, the, the, the eternal question. Of <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I've heard that set was fraught. Those monsters were just divas. Yeah. Bugs Bunny. Uh, him and Lola were just bonking all the time. Yeah, those, <laughs> those big basketball scandals. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like Space Jam, we should definitely discuss it at, at some point. because We should. Yeah. Space Jam is the, first, is the like... first uh, CD that I ever owned, um, which was pretty much a present from my dad to himself, pretending that he was giving it to me for my Love birthday that. because he clearly <laughs> really wanted the Space Jam CD. And it's star-studded as well. Danny DeVito and, and Bill Murray. I, like. I literally don't remember any of the actors, just the basketball players <laughs> and the Looney Tunes. Um, also, I was like, you know, we don't have to unpack this in the episode, but I was very attracted to Lola Bunny as a kid. And let's just, let's <laughs> leave it there. <laughs> she was yeah. very sexual. to unpack in future. <laughs> one for my therapist (laughs) uh, we're gonna uh, be a a team because we're living in the same household we watch all the same things basically like we've got had very limited like individual media consumption uh, generally during the lockdown and generally in our lives yeah so Um, since we last spoke um, we were on the cusp of of making a film uh, which was one of our our big focuses we did the 48 hour film festival last weekend yeah and we made something we got it in on time we did it's called it's our we got horror as a genre, and you needed to have an echo in your film, an arc shot, is, which is where a camera um, um, pans uh, around, uh, tracks around a, in an arc a character, formation. and uh, a photograph. Um, yeah. So we came um, up with the film The Picture of Catherine Gray. Which was a lot of fun to make. Um, <laughs> I sort of wrote the script, and James did the direction, Cass and am- I was the uh, yes actor. Cass amazingly came up with the idea uh, of well, calling I, her I, Catherine Gray. I named Gray the character Catherine Gray, without... and then we thought of a good name, and we're like, oh, that's Damn funny. it. That's Everyone's going to think that we're ripping off Dorian Gray, but <laughs> Oh, but also, fact... I mean, the great cultural touchstone, Fifty Shades Of. Yeah. True. There's a lot of different grey yeah. things out there. Anatomy? Yeah. Uh, mm, power? Gardens? <laughs> grey power. 
Great power. Great power. It's is the, that the old United? It's, it is. That's the, right. it's, it's the senior citizens the, like advocacy the, group of New Zealand, guys. That's a real thing. Oh. Okay, work. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Winston Peters is uh, he's a big... <laughs> Sweet. He's in the pocket of great power. Everyone knows. Right. Um, that Liam yeah. Neeson vehicle, the... <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. We did have to remove all identifying objects from our bedroom, which was the main set. Yeah, uh, was which it too was modern? Chaotic. But it well, allowed just us. Also, we tried to make it look like a. It was also like a writer's retreat, so right. we had to make it look like it was not a person's bedroom, but just like an empty hotel room style thing. But it allowed us to do this massive cull of a lot of our books. Yes, we have a gigantic. Because we were like, oh, we don't read any of these. We have a huge stack of things, which I'm going to say mostly James that has picked up over the years yeah. from secondhand shops, being like, I should read this, and then has not mm. um, lots of like John le Carre <laughs> and stuff like that that oh, I'm like yeah. look I'll keep the spy who came in from the cold but all the other ones I, yeah I'll you read the first that's, one that's really yeah. funny because I also got um, the spy who came in from the cold at one of those like two dollar <laughs> off shops like those garage you're like yeah. 50 cents I can't Surely. not take this right? home but yeah. yeah I like Tinker Taylor yeah, yeah. Um, so we did that. Uh, we sort of rewarded ourselves with meeting the deadline by then watching uh, Angela Webber's Phantom of the Opera, um, the 2012 Ramin Karimloo version, Ooh. which is out on YouTube. Uh, was out last week, but I think it was only out for 48 hours. Yeah, so he's been dropping, he's been calling it The Shows Must Go On. and uh, a film It's basically just him being like, we're going to put theatre online. My, my theatre, that is. Yeah, so um, we did Joseph uh, a couple of weeks ago, and then um, th- uh, last week and this week, we watched the double bill um, in separate weeks of Phantom of the Opera and Love Never Dies, which we did just before this. And, oh, oh man, I'd never seen Love Never Dies, because why would I? Because it's, like, notorious for being very bad. Um, but it's it's so fascinating how many, like, fan fiction tropes it falls into. It reminds me very much of, like, having read the script of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, mm. um, which has a lot of similar, like, guy that you are pretty sure has never had sex in his life has a secret child is mm. one of the, <laughs> the plot points. Mm. They're in America for some reason happens in Love Never Dies. Oh, and God. bizarrely, Love Never Dies situates it in Coney Island yeah. of all places. Uh, it's just lots of different tropes that it <laughs> runs into. Like Raul goes from being like fairly nice, like soppy love, like love interest in the first one into like now he's got gambling debts and he's a bad husband. He actually shouldn't have been the one Christine ended up with. She should have been with the Phantom the whole time. Who's and you're like, so this is sad. so... So poorly, like it sort of under under like doesn't understand the appeal of the original show, which is extremely flawed in many ways. But like I can understand why people love it so much, and like why they get so emotionally attached to these characters. It's like they've just the writers themselves have no concept of it, and they're like, <laughs> I think actually what we need is a circus. Talking of the appeal, I think uh, the twenty fifth version, which they showed, uh, really showcases how fun the musical can be. I had never seen it this in is its original musical Phantom. form. Yeah, yeah, original Phantom. Um, I've only seen the movie, uh, which I loved as a kid because uh, it's which I've, I've I've never seen. So I was really interested to know that James has such fond memories of the the infamous Phantom. Because film. Right. even though the film is quite bad. It gives you still like a taste of the fun over the top Andrew Lloyd Webberness of it all. Um without without not 
without if you don't know the full potential of it, then you're just like, oh well, this is great, you know, far too many notes for my taste. But then when you see the full production with R- Ramin Karamalu, who plays the Phantom, who is extremely sympathetic and such a good singer and really believable, you're it's like, much better than his material in almost every role he plays. <laughs> yeah, it is just such a banger. And you know, when Masquerade comes out and the whole chorus sings, like it's cool. Even though Andrew Lloyd Webber has some criticisms, you you got to give it to him for this crazy <laughs> idea write, that catchy, just catchy tune. somehow worked. <laughs> so without further ado, let's go to our feature presentation. Feature presentation. If you haven't if you haven't been paying attention, we've just we've 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 conjured up. We have up. launched a mini series. Yeah. Um, yeah, which we have themed around the year 1993, uh, the year of mine and Matt's birth, um, and the year just following James's birth. Just missed out. Born in December Picture 1992. This. Jurassic, it's the beginning of the world. Dinosaurs roam the land. <laughs> and Steven Spielberg's Jurassic Park. Love conquers all as Whitney Houston belts out her immortal hit, I Will Always Love You. And Liam Neeson didn't just save his daughter, but millions of Jews, thousands, hundreds, I don't know how many, <laughs> with his last tiny... And anyway, yes. two men in Minnesota argue with each other. Yeah. So a lot. Grumpy Old Men um, is the film that we've chosen to do, well, James has chosen to do, for our pick number one of the 1993 miniseries. Yeah. Um, cool. So uh, we all kind of pick something that we have some kind of closeness to, or maybe not. At least I did. Um, uh, and this movie was on rewatch at the Kane household all the time. Um, and in fact, like the Jack Lemon and Walter Matthau like hour was not an hour. It was just every time you go to the video store, it's like, why don't we get out grumpy old men? Why don't we get out the odd couple too? Not the odd couple, which is the the film that made Jack Lemon and Walter Matthau famous for their collaboration. It was always the second one when they're old and crotchety. Um, these two were a big part of, of the kind of comedy um, experience, along with stuff like Monty Python. Um, but yeah, Grumpy Old Men was the go-to. And when I told my parents and my brother that we were watching this for Mixed Bag, they were instantly like, what's mixed about it? Great movie. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they're very curious as to what you well, two think. What criticisms are going oh, to no. be of this yeah. film. Um, but oh, they, they probably boy. won't listen. Ben might listen, my brother. Okay, Ben. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think he'll chuckle along and, and agree. Well, um, can I just ask, did your parents not believe in buying videos or DVDs? <laughs> Why did they get this one out so many times? Um, well, going to the video store, it was a ritual, you know. Yeah, but the whole point of ritual, going to the video yeah. store is you get something you haven't seen before. Yeah, a new thing. <laughs> yeah, you don't just go and get the same one out over and over. Okay. Just buy it. Clearly, you did not <laughs> visit the video store enough because they had these deals of, um, I think it was like seven for 11. We know about we the We know deals, about the video stores. You still got new you stuff. Can get, yeah, you haven't seen all the movies. Like, there was no way that, like, there's nothing left to watch. You better watch Grumpy Old Men again. I think, like, <laughs> I think eventually we did buy the DVD of Grumpy Old Men. Um, okay. Although, uh, crucially, Grumpier Old Men, the, the, the sequel, sequel. Uh, because this was a surprise smash hit, was not purchased um, uh, we had we had limits, um, 
but yeah, my history, your history with this is um, it was beloved. Fundamental. Um, we tried watching the original Old Couple once as old a family. Couple? The Old uh, Couple. The Old Couple is the Old the Couple alter, too. Alter, yeah. Alternate title. That should have been the subtitle. Yeah. The Odd Couple. Um, and we switched it off because it was a bit old and boring. <laughs> So, um, clearly, you it's know, great. Good we're, taste. we're all <laughs> taste up in the, um, we just like seeing the behold. Um, yeah. So that's my history with it, and it was really interesting to revisit. Yeah, I had never uh, seen this before, or heard of it actually, because when James said, let's watch Grumpy Old Men, I thought um, the only thing I had as reference for that was the British television series, which is like a Talking Heads documentary series of various old British people complaining about things, which is the type of thing that the BBC likes to make several seasons of in a Christmas special, Um, and another special, Grumpy Old Women, (laughs) which they also made, including other various old British people. Um, but that's all I'd heard of. I did not know that this was a thing. So I watched it completely fresh. I have to say I've not seen The Odd Couple. Um, had you encountered the, the actors couple. at all? I had, I had the, all the Old Couple. <laughs> the old. Um, or any of the um, other Jack Lemmon, Walter Matthau things. I think the only thing I'd seen Jack Lemmon in that I recall is Some Like It Hot. Oh, yeah. Have you seen um, The Apartment? I haven't seen The Apartment. Yeah. And I don't know if I've seen Walter Matthau in anything else or, or not in a major role that I would remember. Um, He's in so Dennis the Menace as the dad. I haven't seen Dennis the That's Menace. That's right, oh. yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it was one of the ones where I was like, oh, okay, this is very new to me. What about you, Matt? Um, I This is the type of thing that we might have rented, but I have no recollection. Like, so <laughs> as far as I know, I have not seen Grumpy Old Men, um, and this is the first time. Uh, yeah, that's it. For me. <laughs> well, um, I did a bit of wikiing, um, and this is directed by a director called Donald Petrie, and actually, the photo of him, he's is quite he a, a dish. dish. Yeah. Oh. oh. <laughs> um, cool, man. Um, and he's made right. some really... <laughs> nice response. <laughs> is he actually, though? Is that just for the pun? No, he's quite gross. Um, oh, well, oh, like, boo. just a normal dude. Boo. Um, no, he's not. Yeah, he's fine. Uh, but he's done a lot of mixed bags, and some not mixed bags, um, because... I'm aware that if I say one, uh, Matt will take me down uh, with saying it's yes. a mixed bag. He's done Richie Rich, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, Welcome to oh Mooseport, Lord. which Gene oh Hackman, that's his final film. It's his final film. He should have stopped at Tenenbaums, but you yeah. Know. Mm. <laughs> um, My Life in Ruins and Miss Congeniality, which I assume Ooh. is not mixed. Uh, I think that's just a good one. Um, but yeah, he's got a, uh, yeah. a reputation oh, for wait, making let these. Me, big let, me just, let me just check. It's the perfect day. It's April 25th. That's from from Miss Congeniality. I think I've seen it in the background once upon a time. Um, No, it's like one of the contestants. um, When when William Shatner asks her, what's the perfect day? And she's like, April 25th. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. All you need is a light jacket. (laughs) (laughs) It's accurate. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, if today's anything to go by. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, Do you have any other pre... Did I have any other pre-things? Nah, I've covered my, my history with it. Um, this is our second time seeing Anne-Margaret in our mixed bag Oh, series. you're a friend of the pod, Anne-Margaret. Anne yeah. With one name, double-barreled. Yeah. <laughs> if you, she was in uh, Newsies um, uh, in a role that didn't really do her justice, and it'll be interesting to see if we thought that this one did her justice. Right. Um, so let's get into it. 
Um, Open so, the bag. Uh, so we'll, we've got a movie in a minute. Movie in a minute. Oh yeah, true. Yeah. Um. So that's where we go through the plot of the film. Um. I have volunteered to do so this week. Sweet. Because I felt this one was kind of easyish, uh, compared to Southland Tales, which was was, was a, <laughs> which a fool's errand to even we attempt. We apologise if that was a whole ass mess last week. <laughs> yeah. Um, Maybe some just, movies we just skip. <laughs> movie in but, a minute. Um. I just want to shout out our last week's guest. He, he turned thirty this week. So um, happy yeah. birthday, yeah. Johnny. Happy birthday, Johnny. Happy being a grumpy old man, so... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Movie I'm going to... in a minute, starting from now. All right, so Jack Clem and Walter Matthau are old. They're old men and they're neighbours, and they uh, really uh, hate each old. other. Old! Um, <laughs> they are constantly just fighting and squabbling, um, even though they clearly spend a lot of time, like, together. They uh, both go out fishing a lot. They live in Minnesota, so they're out, like, ice fishing um, and hanging out at the bar with their friend Chuck, who teases both of them. Um, and then suddenly, a hot lady moves in across the road. It's Anne-Margaret, both of them say holy moly and they want to court her uh, but she sort of vaguely dates both of them and their friend Chuck their friend Chuck she goes on date with first and then he dies immediately afterwards and Cass <laughs> goes is she an angel of death is that what's happening it's not and then she and Malta Matthau go on a few dates but she's like nah I'm going to be friends with him and then she and Jack Lemon get together and they have sex and they turn out to be a couple but then that means Walter Matthau and Jack Lemon have a huge fight because it turns out that the reason they were fighting was over a girl from their past but it all turns out okay after Jack Lemon has a heart attack <laughs> and... Keep oh, going. You nearly got there. He has a heart attack uh, and uh, Walter Matthau comes to his aid and decides to finally, like, not just let him die but be basically human and decent. Uh, goes to the hospital and Margaret comes in and uh, they're all reunited and the film ends. You think that it might be that Jack Lemon's died but it's a bait and switch. It's their wedding um, and Margaret and Jack Lemon have got married and that's pretty much it. There's yes. some kids too. That was... That was really well done, but uh, I feel like you're missing two like really crucial, well-rounded characters in this, <laughs> and that's oh, the Lord. deeply interesting role of Daryl Hannah and Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Pollock. <laughs> because I mean, amazing actors, amazing roles, like so deep and fascinating in this film. We'll, yeah, there's, we'll a talk sub, about, there's a few subplots we'll in there as well. We'll talk about them later. Yeah. In, in another section of this show. Um, yes. Um, so what's first? Is it this, it's, the, all, it's the case for grumpy old men. Yeah, it's yeah. The, it's what the are bag our bottles? Of bottles? Well, honey, when life gives you lemon, <laughs> <laughs> you get math out as well. <laughs> yeah. I will say it's always been lemon is higher up for me. Oh, 100%. Maybe it's just... Lemon is the Michael Jordan and Walter Matthau is the Scottie Pippen. It's just yes. my look. Of course. <laughs> I'm of right course. there with you. <laughs> Lemon is the Batman. <laughs> and that was the Robin. Okay. So. Yeah, yeah. And Lemon can stand on his own. but And Walt, I'm, Walter, I'm sure, probably could. Look. You know, there's always Robin, the Teen Titans, right? There's Teen <laughs> Titans. He's, he's Nightwing. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, look, he's... Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's, yeah. The thing is, like, I think these two are actually like really great actors. Like, yes, I think yeah. they're both very funny in this film. Like, okay. I would say well, in general, like, like the, the the performances from them are like pretty funny, and same with a lot of other actors in this film that are like yeah, acting hard. Yeah. Mm. Well, to me, like Jack Lemmon is just point blank one of the most probably like the most talented American actor. There ever yeah. was, I think. Just like dramatically, he's amazing, but also like 
it was so adapted co- comedy, like some like it hot and like the apartment and grumpy old men as mm. you know. If you want to see one of his more um, serious uh, roles, um, Days of Wine and Roses mm-hmm. um, is such a fantastic portrayal of an alcoholic um, with Lee Remick. Um, and he, Lemon was an alcoholic himself, so it's a like deeply personal performance. So like, seek out that for like. This is this is how you know Jack Lemon is the real deal. He won Best Actor at Cannes twice. Once at Berlin and once at Venice. So that's like, that's wow. a rarefied company. Yeah. You know, like, like he's in a league of his own. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, it's easy to kind of like dismiss, dismiss comedic performances and as I'm sure we've talked about on this podcast before, but it's pretty interesting that for somebody to have like the reputation that he's had that's done both dramatic roles and comedic roles and is like still clearly so talented and... Um, I guess using so much craft in his comedic roles as well, and I feel yeah, like absolutely. even in this film where it's like, ah, you know, it's like sort of a silly comedy. They're just getting you that. Like, there's a lot of like great comedic craft going on, good comic timing, um, and the like pranks. a lot of improvs from the sound of it. Because yeah. the, oh, yeah. the, the version that we had had a little. I'm not sure if this is all the version, yeah, yeah. but the, it seems the, like Matt um, did as well. Oh, it's an essential the, part the of the film. Over the credits, the outtakes, over yeah. the credits, it has the outtakes, which honestly were my favorite part of this film, yeah. <laughs> which is just them and Burgess Meredith, who plays yeah. Jack Lemon's father. Who, well, uh, the three of them just, just improving their hearts out, and it was great. Oh, I love it. Um, Bridges Meredith, probably best known for being um, the trainer in Rocky. Hmm. Rocky was, like, I guess my version of, of um, th- Grumpy Old Man. Like, my dad's staples were The Godfather, The Godfather Part 2, Rocky. I watched, like, Rocky 1 to 4, but not 5 for some reason. I don't Good know taste. why. They're just <laughs> avoiding it. <laughs> And um, Scarface. So, you know, I saw a lot of Burgess Meredith growing up. Scar- Scarface at what age? That must have been pretty intense. Yep, yeah, like very young. Oh. So I was allowed to see Scarface, but not The Sopranos, because I think of The Six. I'm, that's, that's what I... One <laughs> thing I find interesting about this film is that, James, you've talked before about how your parents were fairly prudish in terms of what they allowed you to say, and there is a lot of sex in this film. Well, yeah, because... How sex is treated in this film is never particularly seriously. Um, what is treated seriously is like love and romance, but the actual like fucking like never really kind of is. Um, and it, it's always like a goofy kind of, oh, look at these men trying to be sexy and charming. But I remember while watching as a kid, the song I'm Too Sexy For My Shirt play. <laughs> and that was the most I'd heard the word sexy um, one right after the other. And I remember sitting with my parents and being very nervous, not knowing where to look, because I'm like, oh, no, they're oh saying God. sexy <laughs> over and over. <laughs> Despite the fact there's, like, multiple sexual innuendos and dick jokes. Yeah, which <laughs> just flew right over my head. Right. I just love the juxtaposition of I'm Too Sexy by Pop Masters, right, said Fred, um, being, uh, like, juxtaposed while, like, Jack Lemon is trying on hats and, like, <laughs> coats. <laughs> it was one of those moments where I was like, 1993. <laughs> like, here we are. Quite. They go out, out of their way place. to reference Home Alone, which must have come out, like, yeah. a year or so before. They do the aftershave like bit. With the- yeah. <laughs> yeah. If it's good enough for Macaulay Culkin to do it, then, like, master of drama and comedy Jack Lemon can, too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, Walter Matthau is no slouch as well. No. I think the most... I was moved was um, in the hospital towards the end when when the the nurse asked if he was a f- 
or if, if he was family or friend. Yeah. And he just had like this internal struggle. And when he finally said friend, he was so choked up. And I was like, oh, God. He's, uh, some people just make it look so easy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like how the film is structured, it's, it, it is Jack Lemmon's, um, who's called... Um, Jack, no, not Jack, John. It's John, John. Um, John Gustafsson. 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 Yeah. Is the lead kind of role, and yes. Max yes. Goldman is the second kind of fiddle. Yeah, well, mm. they're, they're both leads. It's just like the focus yeah. is more on. I'd on, say, on like, yeah, they're both Jack. leading yeah. roles, but yeah. Gustafsson's the protagonist, yeah. kind of. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like, you know, Elio and Oliver are both leading roles, but Elio is the lead role. Yeah. yeah. That's the person we follow. And I'd say that, because they did, I looked it up, they did like 10 films together. I thought they'd only yeah. done Odd Couple in this, but there's quite a lot more. I would say the Odd Couple, in terms of their characters, if you haven't heard of it, um, Jack Lemmon plays like Felix, uh, who is a like clean freak, like yeah, very yeah. OCD and hypochondriac. Um, whereas uh, Walter Matthau is, I think, Max. No, he's Oscar. Oh, Oscar. Max Oscar. I'm getting mixed up. I'd yeah. say that those roles for the odd couple are a little bit more interesting because um, Oscar is like a total slouch, like slubby dude. The thing is, I think like um, Jack Lemmon always gets the bigger role, like if the, if like slightly bigger role, but mm. like mm. I think um, Walter Matthau gets the more interesting role, mm. like mm. kind of. He like if there was a more comedic person in the duo i think it's matthew <laughs> like yeah and right. this film yeah i think yeah. in general because like um you follow the lead which is jack lemon and he's yeah. usually just like you know he's funny but like he's also the hero hmm. whereas like um walter matthew gets room to be more of the clown in his own kind of way you know he's not like clownish but he's always kind of just like i just like connect to this like like a scorebook kind of like like bitter old man kind of like he always has something to cut him to cut J Jack Lemon down and I'm like that's how you show a fiction. I think he's, he's got I a very relate. good face to have aged into as yeah. an actor oh, as well like the way yeah. his wrinkles are and like the way his facial expressions work on this film is just uh, really lends itself to comedy because yeah, he's, he's like got this rest, big droopy puppy dog kind of thing. He's got a resting grump face. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's amazing. And actually with um, Jack Lemon as well with his like hero status I think he's in a really good age range where you can still buy him in terms of this relationship in terms of like wanting love like um if you yeah. look at the trailer for grumpier old man where he's aged a little bit more his face is aging so much to a point where he's kind of playing the second fiddle and walter Matthau is the lead i think that's kind of like i guess that that was their give and take as well because yeah. like because the, he was the lead in this like i guess with the sequel he was like i mean he got the girl in the end. Yeah, if I'm like, the writer, I'm going to come in there and be like, okay, so the next one's need, about how Walter Matthau's character yeah, totally. is a girlfriend. And, I, I guess, and, and like, guess who he gets. Yeah. I guess what I'm Sophie saying, Loren. Loren. deep down, I would I would go there with, with Jack Lemmon in this movie. Like he, <laughs> he's still, I, his face is aged in a way that he's still I, I just handsome. feel like he's got those, he's got beautiful eyes. Like, I was just like, yeah. It's a hard pass for me. Sorry, Jack. <laughs> no, he's just such a nice man. Um, you know who I'm, could get I'm it, though? There. And Margaret. And oh Margaret. My God. You know, she was uh, 52 during this film. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> she's, she's very well preserved, looking very good. She looked uh, she looks amazing. Incredible. Looking lovely. Yeah. Because when we see her, she, she um, gets on her snowmobile and she just like, <laughs> you know, speeds through the, the, the street. 
And then she takes off her helmet and you've got just like this glow around her. Well, there's some the very man. present chimes playing <laughs> yes. on the soundtrack The soundtrack well. always crops up. I really up. love those chimes. They also have chimes and then they have death music. Like when someone's died, it's yeah, like, or the near sad, death. The sad, it's like, the sad, I don't know what it sounds like. The sad death music. Yeah. Um, I thought at first, like I couldn't figure Anne Margaret out. Like when she first, obviously she was the object of their kind of like, you know, Less than obsession, and before we got to know her, and then her first kind of scene with like Jack Lemon, which she says, um, she she like, um, got his mail or something and read through his mail. I was like, are you like she was giving me con woman realness, and like I don't know, I didn't know quite what her deal was. Like, no, no, she's just a manic pixie dream girl. I know, like, yeah. <laughs> the like the ur version of the like yeah. you know the prototype manic pixie dream girl. It's, it, she's a manic p- pixie dream gran. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they they have other moments as well, like the male bit where uh, Jack Lemon comes into the kitchen and then he sees a knife and he's like, oh, and it seems like they're kind of playing with this like potential fatal attraction kind yeah. of situation, but it never fully goes <laughs> no. there. We just get tiny hints of no, it. No, we already know this film likes to reference other films. So yeah. that's yes. probably, I, I think do, that's just all they're doing. I do love that when they when she is cooking for him, she's cooking Szechuan food. Yeah. <laughs> Which, like, okay, all right. Um, yeah, so I think the parts of the film that really worked for me, because this was definitely very mixed for me. I'm sorry, Kane Same. family. I'm going to give away this yeah. now. It is okay. But um, <laughs> the things that worked for me was the general, like, the prank situation. Yes. And the, when it was focused oh, yeah. on the relationship between the, um, John and Max. And the, you've got... Uh, the fish. The, the fish, fish prank. The iconic the fish, fish prank. Pa- Got to go through the beautiful which, pranks. Um, yeah, so basically one of the whole things is that Max is a much better fisherman, it seems, than John. Um, and so Walter Matthau is coming out of his fishing, his ice fishing hut, which, like, as a side note, I did not know that this was how ice fishing was, but it's pretty cool. I didn't know they had these little huts yeah. out on the ice. Um, but he's got this huge big haul, and then, you know, uh, Jack Lemon's got, like, two fish, and he's... Two small fish Two as well. small fish, and he's like, ah, oh, I threw back all the other ones. These are still the ones I need. And we're all like, okay. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, Walter Matthau sort of taunts him. So uh, he checks a little small fish in takes his car. One of the two, yeah, one of the two, and just sticks it into Walter's rusty old, crappy Ute kind of looking car. Um, and yeah, he finds sticks it later. Up the place. Yeah, sticks it up. It's a simple prank, but it's it works. Prank. You it's know. effective. Yeah, but effective prank. Um, no I one also wants to be near the stinky guy. The best one being. Hey James. Uh, <laughs> I'm, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> The best prank being when Max, for some reason, has got the remote control to John's TV. Oh, yes. That one was particularly better. He's sitting down to, like, watch the lotto numbers and then Max starts, like, changing the channel and, like, cackling to himself while his son just stands there, like, what are you doing? Honestly, I feel like (laughs) when I grow older, I feel like I just want to be Max. Like, he's... So preternaturally petty and just like so juvenile, but yeah, like he's it's juvenile so and like a very like he's just having a, a he's having yeah. such a ball. <laughs> he's having so much fun. I can strongly so, relate to Jack Lemon like trying to do prank. Well, obviously the fish prank works, but then he later tries to like spray um, Walter Matthau's house, uh, the snow with it, and so that when he closes the door, it'll fall on him. I can very strongly relate to trying to do pranks and them not quite working. <laughs> um, me and my brother had this when we were growing up. He'd, like, make me mustard sandwiches, water sandwiches when he's saying he was pretending like he was nice. He locked me out of the house one time. And I was always the little brother who was having the pranks done to and never quite doing the pranks myself. So, yeah, that dynamic is <laughs> age-old, and I can yeah. strongly relate. 
Yeah. Uh, which I'm, side do you land on? I mean, Matt feels like a, a Max. I'm a uh, John. Look, I, I've never been really a prankster, so I right. have to are say you, I do you, not. Are you a Chuck or are you a, a Burgess I'm Meredith? more of a Chuck, I right. think. <laughs> I'm um, just like, hey, guys, this is dumb, and I'm going to go and but, date the woman you're both fighting over without just actually like, approaching. To unpack this, like... Um, this remote control prank. So, so Jack Lemon is watching the lotto. And, yeah. Um, so, and, and Walter Matthau, just like every time a number comes up, <laughs> he just switches the channel. <laughs> Simple, but effective. Simple, but effective. And just like, like a good, just like again, a good fart. And very, very old 1993 as well, because it's like, you're getting the lotto numbers from the television. There's no way to rewind the TV. So you, when you change <laughs> that number, you can't go back. There's no way to look it up online later on and see it on the online lotto website. I had that surreal <laughs> experience watching it um, where you don't quite realise how much you've seen a film that when the channel switches to like, there's like a guy singing, I could remember it like it, it felt like an old friend. You know, when you've seen <laughs> yeah. a film far too yeah, much. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I was like, oh my goodness, I, I forgot how hardwired it is in here. Um, so maybe my judgment will be slightly skewed on this film. Just a heads up. <laughs> I mean, look, this is what it's for. Really. What it's all about. <laughs> this, this is what you podcast. offer the mixed pack society, and mm. then we yeah. and then we take and... it apart and find the yeah. the bananas. Yeah, should um, we get any into other it? bottles first before we move to bananas? Oh yeah, Aussie Davis, legendary, yes. very good as as Chuck, um, husband of Ruby D. If you know, no one ah. knows Aussie Davis, mm. but he, like they're a duo, is what I'm saying as well. And he's amazing. Like he is so like he's got so much gravitas as Chuck, but also just like can shoot the shit around with with yeah. Matthew and, and and Lemon, um, and yeah, he's great. If you want to <laughs> see a weird Aussie Davis performance, um, he shows up in Baba Hotep, uh, believing with Bruce Campbell, believing that he's a black JFK reincarnated, and they fight a mummy. Um, so <laughs> Baba Hotep, it's it's also about two old men, uh, a, a an Elvis who survived and um, a black JFK. And you should everyone should watch Do the Right Thing. Yes, yes, because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, any other th- good things about this? I like Burgess um, Meredith as oh, well. Um, I um, don't feel like he. He doesn't get huge f- amounts to do, but he, he like has yeah. fun with what he gets. And I, I feel like the maybe the comedy is dated a, a, a little bit because he's pretty much the same note of like, ah, I don't want to like, fuck I'm women. old, but I he's, still like sex. Yeah, he's dirty old man, but like <laughs> the way it's kind of played and the way the way it's portrayed in the film is like lovable. I guess I don't. Yeah, I, I think yeah. it's that thing of like because people don't see people over a certain age as, as sexual, sexual beings, yeah. they're yeah, like, absolutely. oh, it's like toothless and harmless. Also, which, I don't he know. plays. He's Jack Lemmon's dad, by the way, so yes. he's yeah. ancient. He's, he's, <laughs> he's supposed a, to be 94. There's a brilliant bit where Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon are fighting because crazy, not quite a stunt, but unbelievable thing, Walter Matthau drives Jack Lemmon's hut yeah. with so his mad, car. He's so mad he realises that uh, Jack Lemmon and Anne margaret have got together that he, like, yeah, just runs his car into his ice fishing hut into and just ice, mushes it into the middle of some thin into ice. Into the water. Um, and so Burgess Meredith, his, like, one of my favourite bits is he comes in and he breaks them up like they're a couple of kids. It's just like, yeah, kids can't deal with them. And, and, and just sort of You know what I just thought it. of? Because I'm like, we've seen two, like, Anne-Margaret 
films now where she's yeah. kind of on the side. Maybe we should watch Tommy. I would love to watch she's Tommy. I've Senna. never seen Tommy. Yeah. And it's she's very unbrand Senna. for me yeah. To, yeah. to watch Tommy, I think. Tommy, and then there's also this one with Jack Nicholson called Carnal, oh, Carnal Knowledge, Knowledge, which is fascinating. I mean, she, she was nominated for Oscars for both of those films. Yeah. So, you know. um, I want to just do a last last banana shout-out, which sure. is to Anne-Margaret's... Uh, oh, sorry, bottle. Um, to Anne-Margaret's Good Red, uh, red Cape. Yeah, when extremely when Chaos was watching it, she was like, "I need a cape. I need to buy a cape right now." Also, Anne Margaret's nails, honey, (laughs) (laughs) her like claws were like so. Oh yes, when she had the chest pieces. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right, let's get into. Oh yeah. I just like just in general coming back to Lemon and Matthew. Just the chemistry in general is like non-pare. It's this entire film feels built off their chemistry, like inspired by their chemistry. And the final shot of the film, which is a blooper where um, we see like uh, Jack Lemon is riding off, um, and he's just gotten married, and then he drops a uh, fish out of the car, and then because obviously film is shot in different situations, Walter Matthau is looking off, sad, and then it pans over to Jack Lemon, and he replies, "Oh, who left?" And there's um, just this. this is a, you mean in the in the outtakes? In the That's final it. blooper reel, yeah. yeah. Um, and just their laughter after that, and just affection for each other. You're yeah. like, this is an iconic That's duo. That's why the outtakes are great because you get to see them just hanging yeah. out and like yeah. chilling. <laughs> <laughs> but then I guess also like I mean, Walter Matthau seeing like in the in the hospital scene all those tubes in like Jack Lemon might have been like you know a trigger for him as well. Like yeah. I mean, I mean like like I that's a very vulnerable know, position. You know how much there must be a certain point in your life as a senior actor where you're playing characters that die all the time. Yeah, and like surely that has to have some effect on your psyche if you're playing character you're playing characters that die or playing characters where other people of your generation are dying all the time. Like, I don't know, I guess it's because that same thing is happening in your regular life as well, but, like, it must be a very strange situation to be in. Yeah, and in the script there's a lot of dark comedy around, like, oh, he got hit by a car, what a great way to go. Yeah, they sort of talk about their various mutual friends and, like, how they died. And to actually call back a uh, a quote from one of our hosts um, uh, in (laughs) She's All That, (laughs) Pierce said, uh, a lot of these people are now probably dead. Um, that actually is true for Grumpy Old Man. The <laughs> I, mean, only... I would be surprised if, like, 27 years <laughs> later, they were yeah. still... They're just Meredith still kicking. <laughs> the only one of the, the main cast that is still going is the great Anne-Margaret. Um, um, and yeah. the two people playing the younger... The, the yes, of course, Kevin Pollock <laughs> and Daryl Hannah. Um, you know, all the younger. But, you know, in terms of Arcee uh, Davis and um, uh, Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau and Merges Meredith, unfortunately, have passed. Yeah. And now we're going to pass on to our next... We're going to pass some judgment onto the (laughs) film. Um, So, yeah, Anne-Margaret's character, Mm. the Manic Pixie Dream Girl thing, I was not into it. Um, it felt that was weird, hey. <laughs> and this, the sort of the whole the sex comedy thing of it, and the um, I don't know, like the, the the main plot moving away from these guys' rivalry into like this romantic comedy will they won't they thing with and Margaret's character. I just felt it was weaker, and there was just a lot of it was just kind of based on like there were just a lot of like kind of sexist jokes or like kind of kind of crude like um, in a sort of you know, guys doing locker room chat about girls sort of style yeah. humor well, to, in there, which didn't really work for me. To me, like, this would have worked because, like, 
I can see this playing out that way. But also, just, like, they didn't really put in the work of, like, showing why Anne Margaret was drawn to it, these two old men. Yeah. Like, yeah. And even just, for them, it's like, okay, is there are there no other women in the town? Like, they act like there's no other women in town. Like, she is attractive, yeah. yes, but, like, they're, they're into her before they've really even seen her. When they literally just see her take and, off her helmet and it's a woman, they're like, and also, oh, I my God. It's, like, yeah, holy, it's a woman holy. approaching their age, but I'm sure she was, like, a good, like, 20 years younger. She's a good, yeah, 15 to 20, yeah. 20 years younger than them. Mm. Um, yeah. But, you know, I guess, like, once you get to, like, that sort of age, it's that, like, half your age plus seven thing where, like, the, the age difference makes less and less yeah. of a difference, I guess. So and I didn't really mind the age difference so much. Oh, no, I didn't, but it was just, like... But, yeah, it's, like, it's not yeah. like she's actually the same age as them at all, yeah. no. <laughs> and there's these large yeah, yeah. opportunities to get to know Anne-Margaret, but most of the time it's all, like... Oh, you're so prudish, old man, and like I'm free spirited. Like, She's definitely we never know her as a person. As like a very stereotypical like archetype of this Berkeley professor yeah. that like does nude sculptures of her like late husband and makes Sichuan cooking. <laughs> like yeah. it's you know it's the sort of ideal of like a liberated like modern woman that's very different from these old men what they're used to. But there's not really a sense of any substance to her as a character um one thing about me is like like i enjoyed watching this film like you know passively but also one of the most inconsequential films i've ever seen in my life yeah. it's so like loud. why like what yeah. is happening it's like 30 minutes in i'm like so what's the plot what's well, happening the, what's the crazy going? thing is yeah. there's like no plot just pranks and then in the second half or not at like two-thirds in then it's just like okay plot 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 jack lemon is gonna have a, a, a what is it a stroke or a heart, heart attack? attack i think um but yeah, just oh, like, he, like, oh, he Chuck had died. More than and just I'm just a like, stroke. Chuck died? <laughs> he had several, uh, if you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> but like, there's, yeah, and there's like other, lots of plot. They just sort of feel like they needed to keep adding plots because I guess they didn't have enough to be one plot. Like, there wasn't like enough yeah. of a concept. They just kept Exa- adding things. Well, exactly. Like, both of them have got children that like, uh, Jack Lemon's daughter, Daryl Hannah, um, she's recently separated from her husband and clearly always had a thing with, um, what's it called, Kevin Pollock. The son of <laughs> this was this Oscar was creepy because she was just like yeah. um, I've always known that you've had a crush on me, and he's like uh, what? And she's like, yeah. Why do you think I left my windows open? Yeah, it's like you used to always stare at me with your dad's binoculars, which I'm like okay. Yeah, and, <laughs> and she's like, and I was always leaving my curtains just open enough for you to see just in. to tease you. <laughs> and that happens throughout the film. This is a film made for the peeping toms who just like want to be checking of, out the women through their windows with binoculars. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that particular <laughs> subplot is just very much like that. Just happens in one scene, it's and then so... like comes back at one other scene, and then just at the end, it's like they're gonna date. And we're forgetting this whole plot where um, Jack Lemon is going to be evicted by yeah. the tax man. Um, Alright, we'll, we'll talk about one by one. Yeah. Let's talk about this first because this was like a whole chunk of the film. Yeah. Of like, the first of all, why? Yeah. 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 Like, and we- I think... I think there's something interesting there because like it seems like Jack Lemon actually has a really, really good relationship with with Max um, Walter Matthau's son yeah. Jacob, played by Kevin Pollack. So I was like, that's interesting. Like, surely this is a um, a way to like you know get, get some backstory out of the way or, or something. Or but they don't use it for that. They, they don't use it for anything. So <laughs> they, I yeah. guess the kids just have a will they won't they? And I don't know like. 
Daryl Hannah can be effective, i.e. Splash, i.e. Kill Bill Volume 2, but she's such a charisma vacuum in this, in this yeah. film. She just brought nothing. There's a drip in this. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just one of those things where I'm like, there's opportunities here, but it's like you just sort of thought of the idea and then that was the final version. You didn't like develop the yeah, draft like, at oh, all and the writing. Cute. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah, and then they just they still date. It'll together. be cool. But they're both fine with it. Like it's like even if it was like a a source of tension for the family. I don't know. Kevin Pollack is is um, running for mayor of the town. Yeah, yeah, and And it's fine. He gets he gets he becomes mayor, and we're like, cool, great. (laughs) I cared so much about his mayoral campaign. And their way of increasing like the tension with that, the instead of like further drama, they just introduce the old flame um, that Daryl Hannah is maybe separating with... Oh, you mean her husband? Oh, yeah, her husband. Sorry, <laughs> her not husband. Old Flame. Um, the Old Flame is Kevin Pollock. Yeah. Um, her husband, who is played... I can't remember who it is. He looks a bit who like cares? Thomas Hayden Church. <laughs> Just he's, like a, a real rat-faced guy. He's also yeah. the baddie in uh, George of the Jungle. Um, and right, so he yeah. was really in his heyday of playing, like, sleazy businessman. Um, yeah. Although, he, it turns out he's um, an alcoholic, we learn. Um, Do we? I don't think I got that. What? I did not get that. He was always I drinking, I think. And... <laughs> oh yeah, clearly James has seen this film James a lot of times. No, but he so says like, oh, I went back to the bottle and everyone's like really mean to him about it. And it's like, look, that's a disease. <laughs> like, he, like he needs to have I, help with this, that. This guy's in this. one scene. I don't know how <laughs> James got all this. this. <laughs> <laughs> I dig in deep with Grumpy Old Men. If you want to see Kevin Pollock today, he's great at The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. It's a good show. Um, but in this film... He um, acts like a broccoli is mistletoe. So <laughs> he also is the Deus Ex Machina for um, the Taxman plot, um, yeah. which we'll go over now. So like, the Taxman yeah. plot is the very first thing we see is this IRS agent knocking played by on... Buck Henry. Yes, oh. who I don't know yeah. who that is. He's um, a writer. Um, yeah. um, so it's him knocking on John Gustafson's door, trying to get a hold of him, and so we get we start out with Jack Lemmon like making a quick exit out his back window and, like, tumbling down the roof. Um, and then, yeah, that then, sort of doesn't really come back for quite a bit. Yeah, one of my other bananas is when, in the first scene with Walter Matthau chatting with this guy where he's trying to search for Gustafson, and there's a lot of um, gay panic in this film. There's just a lot of, like, little, like, oh, yeah. moments where they just, like, make various... And he's like, un- he's hanging out about, in like, a male strip club. And they're like, ha ha, like, how I mean, dare this, you? This comes back when, um, and Margaret, when she first has, like, a conversation with, um, yeah. Jack Lemmon, yeah. and she asks if he was heterosexual or homosexual. Is that, are you gay or straight? And he's just like, oh, my God. <laughs> well, that might be okay in California, but here in well, Minnesota, we don't, we don't, we don't ask those things. things in Minnesota. And then he asks her to leave, and so she's like, oh, shit, okay. Like, I mean. Like, if I was in Margaret, I'd be like, okay, weird homophobic guy off yeah. the list. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, how close um, uh, John and Max are, like, you know, they might be an old gay couple. <laughs> they should consummate it. Honestly, like, the very first scene, because of the way that they act, it seemed, I was, like, assuming that they, like, were roommates in the odd couple situation again because, like, it looked right. like he'd just walked out of the same house. I didn't get that they lived across the road, like, <laughs> next to each other. I thought they'd just it's, both come out of that house. There's, there's like, um, this funny scene where, like, 
it's like a snowstorm. Like a snowstorm is coming. Or yeah, I mean, it's always snowing because it's Minnesota. Yeah, it's Minnesota. Um, and like, so they're like locked in their houses. So I was like, relatable content. But then Walter Matthau like looks so lovingly across the, his window to the to Jack Lemmon's window. And Jack Lemmon's just like playing chess. And then like he looks lovingly at mm. Walter Matthau across the road. Yeah. And I was like, very cute, guys. Um, do you know what a fun fact about Minnesota is? What? what? They have voted Democratic since, like, consistently for the last, like, 40 years. Like, they're mm. the state that surprisingly has voted Democratic the longest. Wow. The, last time they, the last time they went Republican was in 1972. I guess because they're mostly Canada. <laughs> like, I guess. Yeah. But, like, if you, like, said that, like, I wouldn't guess Minnesota. I wouldn't have guessed Minnesota <laughs> if you had to be, like, which, but which Minnesota is the most Minnesota no, never yeah. voted for Reagan for some reason. So... Yeah. There you go. Couldn't identify with him. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a bit in the uh, uh, in the bloopers, <laughs> in the bloopers where uh, you get oh, yeah. they're clearly recording like a part which is later going to happen in the film, but without any audio of Walter Matthau going to Anne Margaret's house and being let in the door. But he's making conversation for the thing, and he's just like, "Ah, hello, it's me. I'm Ronald Reagan. I used to be president. I was in some terrible films too. Yeah, I was a lousy. I was actor. a lousy actor. <laughs> um, clearly, we know what they felt about him. So, uh, not a big fan. I think one of the big things for me <laughs> was like the backstory of 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 their conflict. Mm. Like, yes. Like I was so muddled. So like, so was it Walter was about Matthau, a girl? Yeah, but, but like it was it was it was the girl that Jack Lemmon married. I think yep. Walter Matthau was in love with, but also Jack Lemmon kept saying that who Walter Matthau ended up with was really so. Like, were they in love with each other's wives? I could, I'd like, I, I don't know what happened. Yes, yeah, like, so like, I feel like it was like Walter Matthau had like a really happy marriage, but Jack Lemmon had a bad marriage. Like, yeah, but, there's that but bit then, where he's talking to Daryl Hannah and he's like, right. oh, it was well, my marriage went bad too. Like, maybe you can That's work right. it out. Yeah, but she went also, off with somebody else. Yeah. But also, Walter Matthau was in love with Jack Lemmon's wife. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. But yeah. I don't right. know if Jack Lemmon was in love with Walter Matthau's wife. I think he was just like, "You had a great you marriage. You had a happy marriage after oh. that." I album. I had a bad time with my with the girl we both <laughs> were after. And see, yeah. here's the thing: like Jack Lemmon gets the girl yet again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Poor Walter. Poor Walter. <laughs> but I, I like honest, that. I understand, I understand I why like it would be a sore point. Yeah. <laughs> that feels true to life. Of like, well, surely this time it means it's my turn. And the, then one of the things that's so that fucking infuri- infuriating and is so of its time about this is the whole like two men fighting over a girl without ever stopping to think like, who does she like more? Yeah, yeah right. Like, yeah. She's really who talking is she about interested in as also, an object. Do you know what was weird to me? The whole Chuck section where she like Chuck went on a date with her. Yes. Like, mm. what did they do? He like, goes on a date. He's like, oh, oh, she's an angel. Yeah, so and then that's the last we see of him Jack, because he dies. Jack Lemmon and scene. Walter Matthau and interrogate also, him. And of be the like, three of them, Chuck is clearly the catch. Like, and yeah. Margaret, I mean, it makes sense like, why she would go on a date with Chuck. Um, but, like, yeah, it's, it seems like, like I thought that was like hinting at something supernatural. I was yeah. like, what is this? Yeah, Where I are really, you going I with really this? liked your concept that you came up with that. <laughs> yeah. Anyone that she sleeps with with is going to die? I was like... (laughs) Aussie Davis was so hesitant to, like, say what they did. And I was like, so they didn't have sex, but, like, what did they do? Because his life was changed. was like... I don't... I couldn't... I I don't know. My implication was they had a nice conversation. It was just, like, beautiful. And maybe kissed. 
god. My my understanding was like she revealed that she's a supernatural angel, and <laughs> he was saying yeah, that literally. Yeah, so him saying she's, she's an, angel, an angel as as he's just trying to warn them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they make snow angels later. She's got there's a lot of angel imagery around her, which yeah. again, like, love that like Virgin Madonna, <laughs> like Madonna whore yeah. situation of like. And she makes a painting, she's right? She's an angel. That yeah, she, she does. She she does paints an angel of the snow, like like snow angel style to remind Jack Lemmon of when they did the snow angel. And someone together. chucks it in the street. She chucks it down it because like he breaks up with her. Yeah. 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 So that's pretty much the movie. Yeah, there's not a lot more to it. <laughs> there's not a lot to talk about. Yeah. I mean, it does make total sense as I can very much understand it as like a comfortable family classic that everybody's like, yeah, that. let's yeah. get this one out again. And it was a surprise hit. Like it earned 70 million in the box office. I mean, look. And it was it a budget of was, 35. Yeah, and it was enough to produce a sequel. So there yeah. you go. Yeah. But does it pass muster? Is it a bag or a biff? Bag or biff. All right, let's let's get into it. Who wants to go first? I can go first. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Everyone was so forthcoming. I'll (laughs) I'll fight my way for first. I always go first. Um, Okay, so yeah, this film like there are lots of good elements to it, mostly being the performances of these actors who are just really you know even at this age are still top of their game um, and are having clearly having great time and improving a lot. And you know, putting their all behind this material. However, the, the material itself does not work very well. I think there is a better film in this, which is focused just on these two old men have got this long-standing rivalry and are doing pranks on each other all the time, which would be great. I'd love to just see that as a film without the rest of the subplot stuff, without this need to add in the romance or like a dozen other random subplots about other stuff. And then you've got the emotional core of the film, which is like that they're secretly friends, they don't want to admit it, and then, you know, on that hospital scene, Walter Matthau finally has to admit that Jack Lemmon's his friend, and I'm like, that's lovely. That's, like, the emotional... That's the only bit that kind of works emotionally because the romance stuff does not. And it's got so many sort of tired, like, kind of, you know, the the sort of, I don't know, very, very tired tropes about, like, the woman that's really just a, a prize for the two men to fight over and all the rest of it. Um, and I, yeah, it's, it's a shame because I think there is, like I'm saying, there is potential for this to be a better film than it is. Um, but as it currently stands, it is a biff from me. Ooh. Sweet. Awesome. I'll go next. Look, in life, you got to take what you get. Okay. So like there are geniuses of comedy in this world existing currently and in the past. And so like... We think of the Charlie Chaplins, we think of the Buster Keatons. Some of them, some of them aren't all modern time. Some of them aren't all the general. Sometimes they're just kind of mere sketches. But always throughout that, the comedic genius is paramount, uh, uh, constant throughout. Um, And so I am just glad that we have preserved this bit of history with these two miraculous talents, where for, I'd say about 60%, um, their talent is firing on all cylinders. Like, 60% of this film is pranks. It's not quite Home Alone, where, like, 90% of that thing is, like, just dumb pranks with a bit of heart to it. This is 60. And so, like, that allows you to be a, be a kind of a passive watch and go and put on some popcorn and uh, make some food, and then you just yell, oh, is it a good bit? Oh, pause it. Um, and then that's your watch. And that, for me, you get to appreciate this 
beautiful friendship. I love that meta thing when you're like, these guys like, I hope they like each other and they make me laugh. Um, so it's a it's a bag from me. I do hear all the criticisms uh, for um, Anne-Margaret. Uh, I feel like it is a nothing character. It's not Anne-Margaret, it's the Anne-Margaret's character. The Anne-Margaret character. Um, and I, <laughs> Sorry, She's Anne. doing her best. And I can't <laughs> wait to see, like we gotta have justice for Anne. Um, in Tommy yeah. and Carnal Knowledge. But right now, um, she still doesn't get a great role, but it's still a bag from me. Okay. Cool. It really um, makes sense when you think about this being a big Kane family film, knowing that, you know, your dad loves to yes. fast forward through the end of Shawshank Redemption because because he doesn't like the middle section, he only likes the beginning and the end. And my mum... <laughs> Did you watch this and just fast forward through things? Until not you got fast good forward, bit? but... <laughs> well, also, so that's what my dad does, what my mum does, is she's like, yes, let's start that film. And she always starts running a bath. Um, and <laughs> I've then had, this, had this happen so many times. halfway through the film, <laughs> she'd be like, oh, this is good, but I'm going to have my bath. And then she's just out. Like, she will not follow up Let's with watch the, the whole film. Yeah, Honestly, I stand that. That's, that's <laughs> kind of iconic. Yeah. And then Ben also will be like, yeah, sure, totally, and then get into his book. So yeah. it was a very lonely viewing experience when you wanted to be communal and then suddenly everybody's out except for you. It's just like every time, you know, like you, you watch a movie with people and half of the people are on their phones. It's the same thing. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so, like, this was an incredibly easy watch for me. Like, you know, don't, didn't have to think about it very hard. I think I'm very, like, a lot more lenient towards comedies because I just, like, really, like, I like the lightness that they bring and it's so easy to watch these two actors just do their stuff. Like, I mean, they're still, um, you know, at the top of their game at this point in their careers. Also, geriatric films don't get enough love, you know? <laughs> like, we don't make enough of them. Mm. Mm. Um, so in that sense, I do really like this film, and it's very touching towards the end. But there's also, like, to me, it's just, like, like super inconsequential. <laughs> like, it's just, like, I could have spent an hour and a half doing something else. There wasn't, like, I was <laughs> amused throughout, but there wasn't really any moments where I was like, yes, bitch, I stand you. <laughs> like, um... So Except it's really for the hard. TV switching. <laughs> oh, the TV switching was really fun. Yeah. Um, uh, I think... Oh, God, Ultimate in the hospital was... Makes it really hard. But ultimately, I think I think it's just, like, on on the side of the biff for me. Oh! oh Kane hey. family's gonna re- re- revolt. Revolt. <laughs> They're gonna be revolted by this yeah. decision. Yeah, there's just not a lot there. Um... I think, yeah, there was a potential of a better film here. And, um, yeah, uh, uh, too long for what it is. Like, It does drag like hell. Yeah, like, there were points when I was looking, I was going like, really, we're still going with this? Like, I, I was, like, we could see the clock from where we were be, watching it. And yeah. I was going like, we started this at 8 and it's 9.40. And Dave was like, we stopped to make popcorn. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And then <laughs> after, after we made popcorn, Cass was just on her phone for like 20 minutes. And I was like, we good to start again? And she's like. Yeah, okay. <laughs> there's like there's like a lean 80-minute movie there that's a bag. But yeah, you know, it as just it is, cuts it's... everything except the pranks <laughs> and the friendship. That's yeah. what I want. Yeah. Cool. 
Um, well, next week we will be doing Cassandra's Pick. Yes, the Joy is... Luck Club, which is a huge Tease family favourite. So we've had a lot of insight into oh, James's home. Oh, we are home, doing family favourites. But it's, huh. uh, it's my family's family favourite this time. Um, so that'll be pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Sister Act 2 was just on telly. We don't know where the others are. Maybe Grumpy Old Men and Joy Luck Club are available. We hope so. Yeah. Um, but also, I've just spoken to many people in person um, that have pitched for us that have really wanted us to do a Sister Act 2 episode. Um, and because of that, I know that there are a lot of people out there that have got a lot of thoughts about Sister Act 2. Um, and if you have thoughts about Sister Act 2 that you would like to share in some way on the podcast, you can email those in a recorded voice form to mixedbagcontact at gmail.com and 30 James second sort it limit, out. okay. Try to, try to keep it down to 30 seconds. Like, I know you're passionate about this direct too. So, so, so are many of us. You know what I might do? I might edit in here my family thoughts on grumpy old men. Please do. Um, just they know to how hear, to use WhatsApp recording now. They can do yeah, it. Richard Kane and Kerry Lamb and Ben if he wants to weigh in on, on their thoughts. So Not that it won't contribute to the bag or biff, but just their thoughts. So that's going to happen now. Grumpy old men reinforces the notion of stags at bay that often characterises male behaviour, particularly where jealousy occurs. Grumpy old men is a heartwarming movie about uh, male friendships and how they kind of mature and sometimes curdle a bit as they age. Um, highlights include a very smelly fish, um, ice fishing, and Walter Matthau's bull-like roar. Grumpy Old Men is a movie. Uh, the main, the main comedy is related to the competition between the men. It's from a very male perspective, I think. The female role is secondary, um, but it is an amusing movie um, from a male perspective. Great. All right. Thank you. Thank so you, Keynes. Where can we find our social media? <laughs> Where? We have, James? Where? Um, uh, so I'm available on JamesKane92 on Twitter and James Edward Kane on Instagram. And um, check out our 48 Hours film. It's going to be screening on the uh, 9th of uh, May. On... Are they all going to be screening or is that just the final? Uh, well, ch- we, we all find out at the same time. So watch on the 9th of May at 9.30 and fingers crossed that we're there. Otherwise, um, if we'll we're not there, we'll be on the room. screening room for 48 Hours page. Yeah, um, you can find me at Lula Morashi, L-U-L-A-M-O-R-A-S-H-I on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find our pod at MixBagPod on Twitter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. You got it. You got it. You got it. And MixBagPodcast on Instagram. Yes. Yeah. No. No. Yes. Yes. Cool. And, um, you know, you know where you can find me um, on the street. <laughs> and if you wanted to get in, in my house, sorry, in my house. And if you wanted to email your sister act to, um, you can email that to mixbagcontact at gmail.com. Leave us a review on iTunes. Five stars, Five please. Five stars. Yes, please. And from our family to yours, bye. <laughs> Don't be grumpy. <laughs> you like those flicks? Come get your fix in a podcast called Mixed Bag.